1994, Quentin Tarantino knocked us on our asses with this film, Pulp Fiction. We're going to talk about it in the actor's room. Here we go. This is the Actors Room. My name's Jeff Tarowski. Welcome back. This week, couldn't wait. I do it two weeks now. That's uh, going to be out the window from time to time when I get to wanting to talk about something. I'm not going to wait two weeks. I'm just going to talk about it. This week, this film, Pulp Fiction. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. Saw this movie when it came out, just like pretty much everybody else. If you were alive back in 1994, I was. I was about 17 years old. Just graduated from high school. Remember that very well. Well, in and out. Just because it's high school, right? Although you do remember a lot of stuff from high school. There are things I forget. And this moment uh, where my friends and I, Took time out of our busy schedule of uh, driving around, uh, you know, drinking beer, smoking pot. <clears throat> we decided to watch a, I believe it was a midnight viewing of this film. It came out in October and it was a cold night. <laughs> I remember it quite well. And uh, there was about five or six of us sat down on a cool night in October, November, something like that. Never seen anything like this before. Uh, This was before I moved out to New York City to study acting. I had uh, been involved with uh, projects and things like that. Very wet behind the ears in terms of acting and and knowing about the business and following films. This is early goings. I wasn't seasoned. No way. (laughs) This one threw me for a loop. uh, Watching this for the first time. In 1994 at the tender age of 17. I didn't know what the hell I was watching. First off. The first half of the movie. Or just any part of that movie. Watching for the first time. At that time period. You got to understand. Tarantino was known for. His writing. Before this. A little bit directing. Reservoir Dogs wasn't really popular yet. Because of Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs became popular. From what I understand, Reservoir Dogs was doing well with um, video sales. It was a cult film. It was respected within the business. People knew about it. But it wasn't mainstream. Pulp Fiction... I mean, it's weird. I... I'm searching in my head to describe (laughs) Pulp Fiction in a way that makes sense. Coming right off of my mind, right here, right now, doing this episode of The Actor's Room. Not easy to do. 
because it's so different. People had to go and watch this film numerous times in the theater because it was so different. I said in that theater, way back then, going, what the hell is this? Do I like it? Do I love it? Do I hate it? I know it's different. And there was a point in the movie, the only time I ever got my ass off of a seat and walked out of the theater was during this movie. I actually got up and left because I was so, I don't know if I was insulted, I was disgusted with one of the scenes. And I'm wondering if you were disgusted too the very first time you saw it. And if there are people out there listening who saw this film when it came out in 1994 and watched this movie for the very first time in the theater or even at home afterwards when it came out on video and you were disgusted. Now, there's a couple of scenes that are disgusting. <laughs> but there's, <clears throat> there's one that's really disgusting or just appalling uh, gross, just no, what what is that? What did I just see? Because I had never seen anything like that back then. I got up and I left. I came back after about 10 minutes. I, I left the theater. I did. I went outside, had a cigarette, had to calm myself down. I did. Only time that's ever happened in my entire life. And I remember walking outside and having that cigarette and thinking to myself or actually saying it out loud. I do that. I when I talk to myself, I actually do talk like I'm a crazy person. So I'm sure I was pacing back and forth outside the theater in Cleveland, Ohio back in 1994 outside a theater of pulp fiction talking to myself on a cold uh, November night saying what the hell is this shit? This is disgusting. What am I doing here? Am I going to go back inside? Ugh, you're gross. I went back inside. <laughs> Sat through the rest of the film. And just tucked it away. It, taking with me the fact that I had seen something thought-provoking, disgusting, yes. But it, it got a reaction out of me. And sometimes when you're watching a uh, production, film, whatever, and you get a reaction, you feel something, and I've talked about this in the past, about watching film and getting something out of it. Whether it's good or bad, you're reacting off of it. That's art. Mr. Quentin Tarantino was able to do that. Back in 1994, when he made Pulp Fiction, and also Reservoir Dogs a few years before that. I told my brother I wanted to do a Tarantino episode about a year ago. We talked about it. I said, I want to do a director. I haven't done many yet. I did Stanley Kubrick about a year or two ago. Great episode. Check that out. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. One director I've done so far, I think. And Tarantino is one of my favorites. He influenced me in my journey of learning about film. He became popular when I was coming up. 
and learning about film. So when I finally settled into <laughs> the whole Tarantino experience, watched Reservoir Dogs, uh, really enjoyed that one, uh, and for a while, I would uh, tell people that I thought Reservoir Dogs was better than Pulp Fiction. I just enjoyed it more for a while. Not anymore. I, I've come to realize that Pulp Fiction is definitely better. It just it just is. It's better. It's uh, more put together. There's definitely more time that went into it. More thought, maybe. Uh, the budget, of course, was much bigger. It was his uh, second film that he put out there, Tarantino. And someone said that he believed that the first movie you make kind of makes an impact in getting you in the door. And it's the second one that makes your career. And boy, was he right about that. Welcome back to the Actors Room. 1994 Pulp Fiction directed by Quentin Tarantino and written by Quentin Tarantino. I mentioned earlier in this uh, episode that Tarantino was mostly known for his writing. He never classified himself as a writer. He felt that a writer is like a novelist. And I'm not that, he says. I'm a screenwriter. And he felt that in his process of writing scripts, which he was really good at, obviously, and came to the conclusion that if writing scripts doesn't work out for me, and this is in the very beginning of his career, if script writing never works out, I'll try my hand at writing a novel. And he said that he did try to write a novel one time, and it just didn't work. He's a screenwriter. He's a storyteller. And by God, is Quentin Tarantino a master at dialogue? His dialogue comes out like a conversation, a natural conversation. And in Pulp Fiction, boy, you get a lot of that. And it makes it work. It flows. This is truly, this is talent. A talent that's rare must be talked about in the actor's room. Tarantino was a movie buff from a very early age. Enjoyed film. So much so that everything else didn't matter. He said, I was possessed by tunnel vision. Film was it. Characters, storylines, plot lines, creating stories. He was a fan of film. All sorts of film. Although he had certain films that he enjoyed like spaghetti westerns. He liked the thriller movies, shoot 'em up movies, kung fu movies. Action, entertainment. That's what he focused on. And during his schooling, he only blossomed with certain subjects, not many, but ones that he did appreciate were history because they had story behind them, and he aced those classes in reading. He loved to read. Everything else, he failed. 16 years old, done with school. And his mom said, fine. But if you're going to drop out of school, you need a job. And Quentin said that his first job, I think, was stacking movies, porn movies, on racks. That was his first job at the age of 16. And a couple of jobs after that had to deal with porn. Although he says he's not a fan of porn, 
first few jobs were uh, based on porn. He was a usher in a porn theater. <laughs> and thought, this is great. And, uh, I get to watch movies all day for free. They're porn movies. And he's soon tired with that. <laughs> Moved on and got a job at one of the most popular video stores in Los Angeles. And was there. He stayed for a while. And while he was there. And this is sort of talked about a lot when you talk about Tarantino's past. and Because he never went to school for film or anything like that except acting classes. But he never studied how to be a director or how to write, which I find incredible. All this stuff he sort of self-learned, self-taught. And he did. This video store that he worked at, he just... Ate up and watched every movie that he can get his hands on. He devoured it. And that was his film school, was this video store. He treated it that way and educated himself in film. I really love learning about the early lives of these people. And Tarantino is a fascinating one, although I'm not going to dive too deep into his early stuff because I would like to sort of do a whole episode on just Quentin. And I could talk more in depth about his early life, but just lightly touching on some of the key aspects of his rise to fame. I'm always fascinated by that. So looking into it just lightly, I found out that it didn't happen for him right away. Of course, it it hardly ever does. You think, yeah, I mean, they're just popular. They did it. Good for them. But there's always a bit of struggle. And he did. Uh, He says for about eight, nine years, nothing. Uh, He would write. And he had in his mind that he was going to be an actor. I mean, that was it. He loved film and stories. But when he watched movies or TV shows, he was watching actors and wanted to be a part of that. So he studied acting. And ladies and gentlemen, Quentin Tarantino, he is a horrible, horrible Okay, I, maybe I'm overdoing. I am. I take that back. He's not horrible. I've seen worse. He's just not that good of an actor. <laughs> if I'm wrong on this, please leave your comments about this on Facebook, on my webpage. Leave it on iTunes if you want. I don't care. And say, Quentin Tarantino is a great actor. What are you talking about? He's amazing. I don't think I'm going to hear too much of that. Hey, listen, the guy's brilliant at writing and directing. I can't take that away from him. But as an actor, mm, not so much. Am I right? He's okay. He's serviceable. The dude's a director. And he likes to act in his films. He loves acting. He wanted to be an actor. That was his first choice. He ain't that good. I hate to say it because I love the guy. You hear interviews with Quentin. Isn't he just 
It's like he's on coke. Is he? He might. I don't know. I don't think he is. I think that's just the way he is. Like, I'm like that too. I kind of talk fast when I'm excited. That's sort of a natural thing with me. Um, I try to slow myself down. Like, I'm thinking about that now. As I'm talking about Pulp Fiction, about Quentin, he does the same thing. He talks fast. He gets excited. He's an excited talker. And he's talking about movies, man. He's passionate about it. And his voice raises up. He talks fast. It almost seems like he's on coke. He's so excited. I love hearing him talk about his movies, about what he loves, film. And you get that raised voice. Fast talking. That's Quentin. It's real. Uh, That's him. And... These are the sorts of people I love to hear in interviews because you're getting the real thing from them. There's no bullshit there. Uh, It's not like he's pre-thinking or has anything planned out what he's going to say. It's very moment to moment with Quentin, which makes a very good actor. He just not, he doesn't have that presence on screen as far as acting goes. His delivery is a little bit off where sometimes he does have pretty good moments in, in Pulp Fiction. There is a couple of very nice moments that he has uh, with Jules, which is uh, Sam Jackson, in the kitchen. Uh, There's a few moments. Okay, you know, hey, I'm not saying he's the worst actor I've ever seen, but he just really isn't that good. He actually had a part in Reservoir Dogs, too. He played uh, a very small role in that. Uh, (laughs) I kind of wanted to talk about that because, I mean, they're his movies, and if he wants to be in the movie, he can. Who's going to tell him no? Quentin, you're a horrible actor. Don't do it. (laughs) That might be a bad idea. He's serviceable. Okay? We're going to end it right there. But going back. (laughs) Excuse me. It's like like 11 o'clock in the morning right now. This might be the very first time I've ever done a show. No, I did The Godfather in the morning. Or was that in the afternoon? Pretty close to it. This might be a very, very weird episode because I'm doing it so early. I'm very awake. I really am. In my voice, it feels good. Like, it's the early, early stages of my voice throughout the day. And right now, it feels good. Because I usually do it later. And my voice is like, by the end of the day, my voice just starts, it starts getting raspy, tired sounding maybe. So maybe I'll be doing more episodes in the morning. So getting back to lightly touching upon Quentin's early stuff. He found that acting just wasn't working out. Hmm. And then decided (laughs) maybe I should concentrate more on my stories. My writing. Thank goodness. He wrote True Romance. He wrote True Romance. I love that movie. What a story. And you could tell. That's Tarantino, right? And I find it fascinating, too. He didn't make that much money writing that. I say, what the fuck? (laughs) I find out he didn't make that much money. That was a popular movie. People know about that movie. Christian Slater. You know, uh, Patricia Arquette. Which is weird because her sister, Rosanna Arquette is in Pulp Fiction. 
connections there with the Arquette family and Tarantino. And true romance too, Brad Pitt. God. Tarantino writes just fascinating characters. They're deep. They're personal. Tarantino said that he places within his characters a lot of himself and what he knows. It just makes sense. He says as an, as an actor that helped him uh, studying acting was the fact that you got to use what's inside of you. Uh, don't make things up too much out of your realm of reality because it's going to sound fake. He used the method of acting in his writing. Which is fascinating to me because I try to do the same thing when I would write. I haven't written it in years. But when I did write, I found that the best stuff I did write was centered more around the things that made sense to me, that I understood. And that's the simplest way to put it. It makes sense. Don't go too far out of your reality in writing something. So those of you out there who are interested in writing scripts, books... Don't stray too far off thinking I'm going to be quite clever. It hardly ever works. Stick to what you know. It's the best advice I can give. Quentin says the same thing. Write with your heart that you know makes sense and then bring it to the paper in your characters and in the story. And that's what he did with Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, True Romance. He also wrote Natural Born Killers. And what's funny is that Natural Born Killers was supposed to come out the very same day as Pulp Fiction. And Quentin's like, at first, said, that's fucking great. Let's do it. Let's kick their ass. Because Natural Born Killers, although written by Tarantino, was directed by Oliver Stone. Weird. I just did Oliver Stone movie last week, Wall Street. And he wanted to go head-to-head to to see who would win at first. And then later decided, bad idea, and had it come out months afterwards. So looking at it, you know, taking a step back, Tarantino was making a mark in Hollywood. Whether it was by writing, okay, or directing. Putting his own movies out there. Directing it on his own. And he never thought that it would come to that. Where he would direct And he got a taste of it with Reservoir Dogs. And Harvey Keitel was a big part of that. He had faith in Quentin and loved his work. And when you go down the list of the actors that are in his films, you will find all of them respect him. They adore him. He's one of them. He gets it. And the big reason why is that you put a Tarantino script on your desk and you read it you go oh my god this is phenomenal I've never seen writing like this and you don't it's fresh it's new it's crisp the dialogue flows the stories make sense so let's dive into Pulp Fiction 1994 and getting right into it talking about the writing style And why this film works is the best example I can give is right off the bat in the beginning of the movie. Okay, now I want to talk about this first because I don't want to lose my uh, thought process and I'll come back to the very beginning of the film. But 
when they're talking, John Travolta and Sam Jackson are talking about the foot massage that Mia Wallace got from a friend. And because of that, because <clears throat> she's married to Marcellus Wallace, she got a foot massage from one of Marcellus Wallace's friends. <laughs> and because of this, was thrown off of a building. That's the rumor. And they're talking about the foot massage. Just getting away from the plot. This is just a conversation. And Tarantino does this in his movies. Which I find. I love it so much. Because it has nothing really. You know, I, I don't know. It, it does apply to the plot. Because Travolta brings it up later. In the movie to Mia. While they're at the diner. But it's. The foot massage thing. And when he's telling the story that all foot massages mean something. That's what's so cool about them. It's just that casual conversation. Or something that's there in life. That isn't really talked about but just understood. Like Quentin can do that within a script. And when you're reading it you go, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Foot massages. Yeah. It's good. I like that. He finds it easy to play stuff like that. In his movies. Wanted to point that out real quick. The brilliance of Quentin Tarantino. The uh, And this is really weird too. Because when I took a step back. To watch this movie again last night. Um, it really didn't dawn on me. Until I watched it. This might be the 15th time I watched it. That the very beginning of the film. With Tim Roth. And Amanda Plummer. As uh, Honey Bunny and Pumpkin. Are talking. With one another. It's hard to understand. What the hell they're saying. The only thing I really didn't like. About the whole movie. Is the very beginning. You can't really understand what they're saying. Tim Roth. Although very good actor. Like him a lot. Okay. I do. I can't understand what the fuck he's saying. In, in the beginning of the movie. So as an audience. Sitting there. Watching the movie. For the first time. You really don't. Get the very first scene You don't You get The last five seconds When they decide to rob The restaurant That you get And I like how Amanda Plummer Who's just a strange Strange lady She went to the neighborhood playhouse The school that I went to She's weird But Great actress And she just exploded. I mean, what a start to the movie. Taking away the dialogue you can hardly make out between the two of them. You get that. Boom! And then Quentin, okay, uses his directing brilliance to bring in catchy music. That's something that he's really good at, too. The music that he uses in his films. Woo! (laughs) Not many directors can nail songs or hire the right people that have control of the music and make it work and slip it in there and you get that song. It's just perfect. Tarantino does that a lot in his films. He's great at that. And catchy beginning in the dialogue, like I said, in this film. Phenomenal. Let's talk about the casting process before uh, we get too much into the plot. I'm not going to get 
I, you know, I've been getting comments about that, that they really liked Wall Street last week because I didn't talk about the plot. I knew it. People don't want to hear about the plot because they see the movie. They know if there's like stuff in the movie that are questionable or, have, you know, things that are kind of like don't there's like a plot line or there's something that you go, well, I wonder what other people feel about this. And there are parts in this movie that do have question marks that I will talk about. But we're not talking about the plot, folks. If you're looking and clicking on this episode and want to hear me talk about every scene, sorry. Not going to happen. Casting process. There are people on this film that worked with Quentin that said the casting process was just a lot of fun. And I think that that's something that Quentin enjoys. He enjoys... uh, Creating the characters in his mind while he's writing. And he does have actors that he has in his mind while he's writing it. For example, Michael Madsen was going to be Travolta's character. Vega. Vincent Vega. He had Michael Madsen in his mind for that. Which I don't understand because Vincent Vega is a different character from Vic Vega in Reservoir Dogs. Michael Madsen was in Reservoir Dogs and played Vic Vega. Vince Vega is his brother. So Michael Madsen couldn't do it because he was already committed to another project. He had to find someone else. This is common. said this so many times when I talk about film. You're not going to get who you really want. I mean, it happens. It's rare that you actually get who you have in your mind. It does happen. In, in this case. Michael Madsen wasn't available. And he had to come up with another actor. But Jules. That Sam Jackson. He was supposed to play. all right, Was supposed to be played by. Lawrence Fishburne. That's who Quentin wanted. Lawrence Fishburne. He wanted Fishburne. And Madsen. Were supposed to play the two leads. Lawrence Fishburne told Quentin, no, I'm only doing leading roles from this point on in my career. Move Mr. Fishburne. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> I'm going to take a sip of my coffee right now because voice is getting a little weird. This is the very first time I've ever actually drank anything while I'm doing an episode. And I'm going to do that right now. Mm. <sighs> Just a little sip. It's morning time, man. I gotta have my coffee. We're gonna do it again. Mm. Mm-hmm. We do Folgers. We're not, uh, it, we might as well play this into the episode because later on in the movie, I love this. This is what I'm talking about with Tarantino's writing. Later on in the movie, where <laughs> Quentin Tarantino has the gourmet coffee in his kitchen and it just centers around the scene. Sam Jackson takes a sip. Like, hmm. You know, we'd be okay with some, uh, you know, frozen taster choice. And you bring on this gourmet shit. (laughs) And even Harvey Keitel, as Wolf, (laughs) says, uh, you know, Jimmy, uh, noticed you had some coffee brewing back there. Can you get me a cup? And then when he comes and walks in the house, he takes a sip. Like like this. (sighs) He gives a look to Quentin. Like, hmm, tasty. Little things like that, folks. Little things like that. 
I love it. It goes to show how specific Tarantino is with his writing. Like, other writers don't think of that shit. Like, let's make the coffee really yummy. Why? Because it's fun. It's funny. It's entertaining. And that's what Tarantino does. Got off track with the coffee, but that's brilliant though. It played into the movie. And this coffee's actually pretty good. I do creamer. Got some creamer in there. Uh, No sugar. I just do the creamer. There's enough sugar in the creamer. I can't do a black. I can't do it. And I've never ever in my life have gone to Starbucks. I've never bought one thing from Starbucks in my life. Kind of proud of that. Because they're so popular and people are like addicted to Starbucks. I don't know how many of you out there are addicted to Starbucks. Not me. I like my coffee in the morning. I just do one cup. Mm. <clears throat> it's good. <clears throat> wow, that worked. Helping out with the, uh, keeping the chords in the voice, in the vo- vocal box, keeping them uh, saturated, keeping them wet. It's a good thing. Uh, I have this uh, podcast that I listen to. He does about every two weeks, just like me. Sometimes he does every week. He's got this poor guy. I love his content because he's talking about a case that I'm just obsessed with. And every week or two, he sends out a podcast. But this poor guy's voice, man. And you could tell he struggles every episode. And like halfway through it, the guy just starts coughing. And you can hear him coughing. And he's constantly like drinking during the episode. (laughs) Poor guy. Like he just can't do it. And he even says like he's working up his voice. Like he's got to do exercises before he does his episodes. I'm glad I'm not that bad. I get a little phlegmy. And I've said that before. And yeah, I kind of play that into my show. Because I was taught that man. I was taught to bring who you are to what you're doing. And hopefully in the process of doing that, you engage with the audience. And that's when I go into doing my episodes. Uh, I sort of, I appreciate that. And Tarantino does too. And I say this because he wants to be engaged with the audience. That's what makes his films so good. And think about it. Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, they're so different because he takes parts of the movie. Like in Pulp Fiction, there are three main parts. There's the first part that stars John Travolta. The second part Okay, is Bruce Willis, the gold watch. <laughs> and the third part it stars Sam Jackson. And there's three parts. And Tarantino, while writing this, wanted three parts, but didn't have the last part yet. <laughs> Just wasn't working. He had nothing. And felt that I got to come up with something. There has to be three parts. And finally decided that after John Travolta shoots the guy, Marvin, 
in the face <laughs> and there's blood everywhere, that he would just continue on with that story. And what a great part. I think that's my favorite part. The last part. The whole Harvey Keitel coming in as the wolf. And his, you know, Harvey Keitel is an actor that I am on and off about. There are times he just nails it. And there's other times I don't know where he is. He drops lines, I think. As brilliant as he is. He's an actor that drops lines. And if you notice in Pulp Fiction, he actually drops a line. I think he does. Notice in the film. At the very end. I know, right? I need a little bit more sippage of coffee here. Just a little. Notice. (laughs) I know, right? The audience guys are probably like, what the fuck? Like, I want to hear this guy. Sipping his coffee. Well, you know what? It's part of this episode, folks. It's morning time. Anyway. want to point out, when Harvey Keitel drops a line, and this is what I'm talking about with Keitel, he could be 98% fucking there. And just... You're you're in it, you know? He's good. He's great. And then he'll deliver a line. You're like, what? (laughs) Where did he go? (laughs) Did an other actor step in? Or was his voice dubbed? No, it's Keitel. Either doing something just weird in his acting. (laughs) Okay, so in the movie Pulp Fiction, at the very near the end of his little part there, where they dump the body in the uh, junkyard, right? He's with Julia Sweeney, who we'll talk about later. And they're walking out, and they're talking with Travolta and Sam Jackson. They're about to part ways. And they're saying thank you to the wolf for helping them out. And before they part ways... Harvey Cartel shakes his finger at them and says something about like, you better be good, you crazy kids. That line is delivered so horribly bad (laughs) by such a brilliant actor. You're like, and I watched it last night again and I wanted to see if that line still sucked. It did. Watch Pulp Fiction when he says, you have that, you crazy kids. It's so stupid and bad. Like the delivery is Once again, comment on this. Tell me I'm an idiot. Tell me, Jeff, that line was delivered perfectly. Come at me and go, Jesus, dude. (laughs) What? Don't be so fucking picky, man. (laughs) Shame on you. Getting back to the casting process. And I thought I wrote this down. One of the minor characters in Pulp Fiction, when Travolta and Sam Jackson walk into the bar... To present Marcellus Wallace with his briefcase. Okay. And Bruce Willis is there talking with Marcellus about throwing the fight. There's that black actor. God damn it. I thought I wrote his name down. I should have uh, done that. I didn't. Okay. That's okay. Uh, I might come back to that. But he has a very small role. Okay, and Tarantino loves him as an actor. Forgot his name. Fuck me. Um, he was, he gave an A one. He killed it. Tarantino said that this actor, I think his first name is Paul. 
came in to the auditions and because Fishburne couldn't do Jules, this guy came in and he killed it. And although Quentin, in the back of his head, wanted Sam Jackson because he couldn't get Fishburne, this actor, he felt nobody could do it better. We got to hire this guy. He's Jules. Let's do it. Sam Jackson auditioned as well. And although he did a fine job auditioning, he didn't do as good as this other guy, Paul. Sam Jackson found out about this. Was not happy. He whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I want that role. I'm not going to get this. Is this true? He found out that he may not get this role. He flew back to Los Angeles. This is Jackson. I want that role. Quentin, I want it. Quentin was in a dilemma. <laughs> He's like, Sam, I love you, but ah, Paul nailed it, man. And I guess, and we got to bring up this motherfucker's name, Harvey Weinstein, because it was Miramax that did this film. Yabba. We talk about Harvey Weinstein, it just, like, it hurts inside because he's such a, okay? Don't want to get too much into Harvey Weinstein, but a big part of Pulp Fiction is the fact that Miramax did it. A lot of studios turned this movie down because it was so fucking, like, people didn't want to touch it. Harvey Weinstein, he did. Along with other things that he wanted to touch. <laughs> Had no problem touching a lot of stuff that he wasn't supposed to. But uh, he laid his hands on this film. Made it happen. So, if there's anything... I mean, the guy's a piece of shit, of course. <laughs> but he was a really good producer. Uh, he, he was. And... Harvey Weinstein told Tarantino <laughs> Sam Jackson should be in this movie. I don't care about that other guy and how good he did in the audition. I want Sam Jackson. So Tarantino had himself a dilemma and it was decided. It was going to be like a showdown. And I love this. I love learning about this stuff. There was to be a showdown between one actor, Paul, and I wish I had his last name. I feel bad too. Like, I'm going to feel horrible if this guy's name is not Paul. And you know what? I'm going to find that out right now. All right. It was Paul. Yes. Paul Calderon is the actor's name. And his name is Paul in the movie. Paul Calderon versus Samuel L. Jackson. It's a showdown. Tarantino explained. He had Paul in first. Gave him all the time he needed to audition. I think he said he was in there for about 45 minutes. As Jules. Doing dialogue, being Jules, nailing it, killing it. Tarantino said it was great. Just like the other audition. He, he was blown away. Great job. Then... They had Sam come in. And he gave Sam the same freedom. You know, the floor is yours. Show us what you can do. And I guess it wasn't just Quentin in the room. There was the producers, the casting directors, and everybody that was a part of this movie. 
was in the room watching these two actors just battle it, it out. Now, they weren't in the room at the same time. But they, all, they both had their time with the people that are going to make this decision. Like, this is a big deal, right? There are people fighting. Like, I'll call it like acting fighting. To get the role. And wouldn't you know it, Sam Jackson, he put it all on the table. Quentin said that his first audition was was great. But when he had his back up against the wall and felt he could have lost this role that he wanted badly. He just gave it his all, Quentin said. And you could tell he really wanted it. And you have the studio, Harvey Weinstein, pulling for Jackson. And Jackson got it. A good choice. And Paul Calderon approached Tarantino. After the whole showdown, they haven't even made the decision yet. And he said, Quentin, I was up against Sam Jackson. Okay? And I know that as much as I nailed my audition, it's Sam Jackson. And I get it if you pick him. I'll understand. <laughs> oh, poor Paul. He just couldn't win, man. He gave a great audition. Like, do you know how hard auditions are? They're so hard. You know, and you had a feel for Paul in this situation. Although he did put him in the movie, you know, very small role Paul had. You know, not very memorable. He's in the film, but Samuel L. Jackson won out, baby. And what a job he does. He does a fantastic job. You can't take that away from him. It catapulted his career. It did. And Quentin, while getting all the characters together and how they looked, that was very specific. Look at the hair of all the characters in this film. If you've never noticed that. Okay, think about it. Look at Travolta's hair. Weird, right? That, what is that? (laughs) That long look. It looks really horrible, you know? What is that hair that he's got? Um... And then uh, you have Sam Jackson's hair. Was originally supposed to be an afro. That's what Tarantino had in his script. Jules was supposed to have a big fucking afro. That would have been awesome. (laughs) And they decided against it on a mistake. The costume lady. Whatever. Head of costumes. Well, it was her job. To go get, I don't know, all the wigs and everything. And she read that she needed to get an afro. And brought this jerry curl wig instead. Tarantino's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I told you to get an afro. It's in the script. What's the problem? You couldn't find one. And she said, well, that's an afro, right? And Tarantino's like, no. That's a jerry curl. We're not. This is not 1982. Jules is not going to wear a jerry curl. That's stupid. Sam Jackson was intrigued by the jerry curl wig. Put it on. And Tarantino's blown away. Whoa! (laughs) That's Jules. That's Jules. By mistake. It was supposed to be a big afro. But instead, by mistake, (laughs) they brought in the jerry curl and it worked. I love that stuff. It goes to show you that sometimes... Thinking outside the box in these situations makes sense. 
talking about Travolta. Before this movie, okay, he was on a long bad streak. If you know about Travolta and his career, the beginning of his career, mind-blowing, right? I mean, Welcome Back, Kata, Grease, Urban Cowboy, Saturday Night Fever. I mean, he just exploded and was the, one of the biggest stars in the world back then. Um, but not so much in 1994. Not. Uh, the only thing he did before that of note <laughs> was uh, Look Who's Talking, which coincidentally has the voice of Bruce Willis as the baby. And there are a lot of people involved with this film said, John Travolta, really? You want John Travolta? Quentin Tarantino loves, adores John Travolta. His acting. He does. He said, the movie Blowout by Brian De Palma with Travolta is one of his favorite acting performances he's ever seen. And Brian De Palma is a big influence on Tarantino. He wanted Travolta so bad for Vince because Michael Manson couldn't do it. It opened the door for Travolta. And when you think about that, like Travolta's huge, man. And Tarantino said that. And how the studios just forget how big he is. Okay, you know, he was in a slump. Okay. It happens with actors. You're not going to nail it every time, of course. And you're going to go through a a period in your career that's just not that good. And Travolta had that. He just did. But he's a great actor, Travolta. And from what I understand in my research, he's a good guy. Scientology. All right, I get it. He's freaking Scientologist. What? They like to grab the Scientology religion or cult likes to grab these celebrities. I don't know, man. Anyways, I'm going to go ahead and take a sip from my coffee again. So give me a moment. Okay. Getting back on Travolta. Look who's talking, right? They're like, what? (laughs) Get somebody else. Please. Tarantino said, uh, you won't be disappointed. He told Harvey Weinstein. This is Tarantino. Told Harvey Weinstein, who did not want Travolta. He said, Harvey, get your hand off of that intern's ass and listen to me watch Blowout by Brian De Palma starring John Travolta watch it and if you don't like it then we're not going to work together interesting Harvey Weinstein watched Blowout said fine okay you're right I trust you Travolta's fine and even though It was decided that Travolta was going to play Vince. Travolta was scared. He read the script, thought it was the best script he ever read, Travolta. He thought that. He wanted it so bad. It was a, I mean, you read a Tarantino script and he wants you for a main role. You go, 
Nice. Travolta knew it could turn his career around. <clears throat> Get him back on track. Or just put him into the spotlight again. With an important role, a different kind of role. But he was scared that someone on set involved in the film would bring up you don't want Travolta and get somebody else. This happens on the sets. It actually happens. And even a big star as Travolta was in his career, he was afraid it would still be taken away from him. And he explains that Tarantino wouldn't let that happen. As much as there were people still involved in that project that didn't want Travolta. Quentin said, fuck off. He's got the role. It's over. Leave it be. And Travolta was grateful that Quentin stuck up for him in the whole process. Wouldn't let it go. Good for you, Quentin. Good for you, Travolta. And I want to bring up that the part in the movie where Travolta shoots up heroin. The heroin scene. Travolta confesses that he never tried heroin. And wanted to know what it was like. (laughs) Be on heroin. I do too. I mean. I would never try it. It scares the shit out of me. Um, Travolta same thing. He never tried heroin. And his character does. And he wanted to know. What it was like without actually doing it. <laughs> so he did research. Tarantino told him, well, talk to some addicts. That's the best thing you can do. That's what Travolta did. He talks to addicts, heroin addicts, and asked them, well, okay, without taking it, what's the closest way to get to this feeling? And then a few of them said, or one of them said, the only advice I can give you to get just a taste is this. Get absolutely plastered on tequila and dunk yourself into warm water. <laughs> that's, he, and he said that's about a tenth Of what it feels like to be on heroin. And Travolta was kind of excited about doing this. And so was Kelly Preston, his wife. Travolta told Kelly about this little experiment. So they uh, lined up shot glasses of tequila. Okay. On their hot tub. (laughs) Each side. (laughs) Like 10 shot glasses. Filled to the brim with tequila. Downed them. And just soaked in warm water to get prepared for the role. And this part of the movie I want to mention too is that I've heard that if you're on heroin, like you really don't want to go out. You just sort of you take it, you lay back, you enjoy the whatever, <laughs> the, the downer. <clears throat> you really don't want to go anywhere. You just enjoy it and you lay there and just... Lay there. Travolta's character, Vince, Vincent Vega, they go, he goes out and takes out Mia, 
the the big man's wife and show her a good time. They go out to uh, Jack Rabbit Slim's, the restaurant. How can he do that on heroin? <laughs> and he looks out of it. You know, Travolta does a good job acting wise, looking out of it. You see him stumbling around, uh, very unfocused, irritated by Mia in that scene. I thought, hey, there is some great, fantastic acting by Travolta in this movie, Pulp Fiction, 1994. Looking down, I want to see where I'm at here. Okay. Wow. We're going to do a two-parter, folks. Can you believe that? I didn't think I would do a two-parter with uh, Pulp Fiction. Going to have to be. Not surprised, though. Not surprised. I'll continue it maybe later today. Do my second part. Or next week. We'll see. Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski. This will wrap up this week's show. Pulp Fiction, part one. (laughs) There's a lot more to talk about. Lots more. Uh, There is. And we'll do that next week. I hope you're enjoying this show of Pulp Fiction. Uh, It's a very popular film. A lot of people love it. There are some people that don't. Most people do. It's a revolutionary film. We'll talk more about that next week. Um, How revolutionary it was. And talking a little bit more about the plot line. There are questions about the plot line. And a lot of discussion about what's in the briefcase. What does that mean? Um, Little things that Quentin put in the movie that are cool. You may not notice. uh, That I see. That other people have seen. I'll point out next week. Fascinating stuff. Diving a little bit more into Pulp Fiction next week in the Actors Room. Hope you have a great day. Hope you have a great night. Right? For me, it's a Saturday, man. Yeah. I'm going to go shopping. Going to do that. Going to do some laundry. Oh, yeah. I'm going to... I know, right? I'm all excited about that. Like, I'm getting pumped up, like, talking about a movie like Tarantino would. I'm going to do that, man. Yeah. And then, I might go out tonight. I, I don't ever go out. Just don't go out. Why don't I go out? I prefer to stay in. I, I just do. I'm at that point in my life. I'm going to be 43. Jesus H. K. Reist. I'm 43. I enjoy. Okay. Sitting down. At about 8 o'clock. Sometimes I sit in my chair. Sometimes I sit on the floor. Sometimes it's, most of the time, it's hot tea. Okay. I stop smoking cigarettes. I now vape. I know. I'm still, I'm not smoking cigarettes though. Hey, it's one fucking step at a time. Okay. I used to go through about a pack every three, four days. Okay. And that's seven bucks. A pop. It's amazing how much cigarettes cost now. It's so easy to be like, fuck this. $7 a pop. I smoked Marlboro Lights, $7, man. Every four days, that adds up. I'm vaping now. That's a lot cheaper. I, I, I buy like this little bottle of liquid. It's called juice. Okay, and in that little bottle of juice, it's like $10. 
that little bottle, I still haven't finished the one I bought a month ago. It's like, I think there's like 70% left in this bottle. Like, it may take me three months to go through a $10 bottle. I'm saving a lot of money, and I'm not smoking cigarettes. So, anyways, I'll sit down, and I just like to chill, man. Going out, I just, it doesn't really do it for me anymore. I used to love to go out. I would go out every week to the bar, to the sports bar. And that's what we're planning to do tonight. <laughs> There's guys getting together. We're going to watch uh, baseball. Let's hang out, right? I might go. I haven't decided yet, okay? I should. I should go out, enjoy myself, hang out, have a beer or two, right? Watch the Cleveland Indians play. They're doing very well. So I might do that. You know, maybe you could go out tonight if you like to do that. If not, stay in. Put in that movie, right? Put in that movie that makes you happy. Entertains you. Quentin Tarantino film. Do it. Put it in. You'll be amused. Entertained. Blown away. You'll laugh. Quentin said, Pulp Fiction is a comedy. He, he claims it's a comedy. It might be. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Thanks again. Once again. For listening to The Actors Room. God bless you. Have a good one.